What's up, Syracuse fans? Tuesday morning and Locked on Syracuse is back. He's Matt Bonaparte and I'm Brian Klein. We've got a lot to talk about here despite the heat of the summer fast approaching. First of all, we're going to do a shopping cart in the transfer portal. What does Syracuse basketball need? Then we're going to talk about Dino Babers and the Orange on the football side because there's a win quota out there for Dino to keep his job. The only question is how many wins? And we're going to cap off the show with another depth chart analysis. This time, we're putting the defensive backs under the microscope. Bones, you're ready. Yeah, I'm absolutely ready, Brad. Uh, I've got a couple names I want to throw at you in terms of uh, transfers, and then I think we might disagree when it comes to the Babers win quota. Uh, Nothing new there. Disagreeing, you and me. (laughs) Shocker. All that and more on Locked on Syracuse. Let's do it. Our Locked on Syracuse. Your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, hello and welcome to this episode of Locked on Syracuse with Matt Bonaparte. I'm Brian Klein. Very happy to be with you. And Bones, this is our second time on YouTube and uh, my razor, I'm not going to lie, here's the deal. Um, I'm just going to level with everyone out here. Okay? <laughs> Goodness gracious. So Bones and I just graduated very recently from Syracuse. True. Okay, very exciting time to be us, yay for us. We were in Syracuse for the ceremony and the weekend. It was awesome. Left my toiletries in Syracuse. So No way. Yeah, totally did. Uh, had to get a new toothbrush. It was time anyway. It's fine. Right. And no, but, but the, the bad part is that I left my razor up there. So we're still going with the, the scruff here. That's the explanation. I'm not actually thinking that this is working. That's not my explanation. My explanation is that I do think this is working, which is even crazier. Well, um, I'm, not, I'm no bad Bonaparte. I can't do it. It's, <laughs> it's no good. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. But uh, that's that's the explanation. That's why YouTube is uh, put to that test. Can they keep their eyes on the screen for <laughs> every day? Again, with Matt Bonaparte, I'm Brian Klein. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Syracuse football, Dino Babers, what his to-do list is Going forward, how many wins does he need, and what does he need from the defensive backs? But we'll start the show with Syracuse basketball. And it's a pretty exciting time to be an Orange basketball fan because the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh away. Frank Anselm to Georgia, and that was not really a surprise. Anselm to transfer from the program that probably did him a little dirty throughout the years, but we're not here to debate that. They get his quote-unquote replacement in Munir Hima. I think it's a step down, but they might have another transfer to, or rather scholarship to offer with Chaz Owens hitting the portal. And I ask you, Bones, Jim Beheim looks at the portal. What is he looking for? Well, so I think there's two trains of thought here. The guard position, I think you're good. Uh, you've got Samir Torrance, you've got Joe Girard, Judah Mintz, Quidir Copeland, you're packed to the gills at the guard position. It's a crowded room. You don't need another one. Uh, the center position, the big spot, uh, a little bit different. Uh, Jesse Edwards obviously is going to be the starter. He's probably only one of two 
positions on the team other than the guard spot that we know is going to be taken by a returner. And that's going to be the Joe Girard on the other uh, page. But it's the wing where you're going to be looking. And Chaz Owens, uh, obviously a wing, but he never played. It's really Cole Swider who you're trying to replace at this point. Uh, and why not do it with a national champion? How about Matthew Mayer from Baylor, a guy in the transfer portal right now, He's got the skills to, to be that guy for Syracuse, and at 6'9", playing the guard position at Baylor for the last four years, he'd be really valuable in the 2-3 zone, a long player. He's got meat on the bone, 225. Uh, he's not a proficient scorer. He's not a great player uh, in terms of the scoring capability, but five rebounds a game last year, a steal and a half, nearly a block a game, and 10 points a game. This is a guy that would be incredibly valuable for the Orange. And like I said, he's a winner. He he won a national championship, which is not something anybody at Syracuse can say right now except for Jim Beheim. So I think you're going to want to go after a guy like that. And you're not necessarily going to be replacing exactly what Cole Swider was because Mayer isn't a guy who's going to go out there and just knock down every three in sight. Can he shoot the three? Sure. 32.5% last year. But – Cole Swider, you know, he, he was going to be – Cole Swider's a better scorer than Mayer would be. It's funny, though, when you say he's a winner because that's something that every Syracuse fan wants to know when they hear about a guy like Matthew Mayer potentially being on the Syracuse radar. Is he going to win us games? And the answer is yes, but I will say that the last time Syracuse hit the portal for a guy who's came in, who came in with an attribute of winning, Cole Swider right? Coming from a program like Villanova, sure. very successful, not a national champion there, but he was darn close. And but at least Mayer started 33 games last year. They won the championship it's, last it's year. It's apples and oranges, not apples and aircraft carriers. It's not a terrible comparison. Classic Klein yep. right there. Classic That's a Kleinism. You're going to hear that one a lot. I had to get it in there, but it's, <laughs> it's a comparison that I think is fair to make. I, look, Matthew Mayer, you hear six foot nine, you hear guard skills, it, it, it makes a lot of sense for Syracuse because two reasons. One, that's great length, and they need that in the zone, whether that's on the wing or at the top. And two, you think about what their biggest Achilles heel was. The funny thing is everyone talks about the defense, and rightfully so, being the the reason that this team lost more games than they won last season. And I get it. But when you think about what they were actually worst at, I would argue it's beating a press. They could not be depressed. That's so fair. They couldn't dribble the basketball. They, they couldn't dribble the basketball. So I'm not saying that Matthew Mayer is going to be your primary ball handler at any given point, but if you can get him, a guy like him uh, playing uh, three or even a four when you're just trying to move the ball over the midline, I think it makes a lot of sense. You can go small with Mayer. I think it's a great fit. The only question is, can Syracuse get a guy like Matthew That's Mayer? the other question. Uh, I think they could, but – it would probably be – I mean, going after a guy who was a Nova guy in Swider, I think, showed that that they had the muscle to do that. Uh, I think Mayer would be a little bit of a different story. I know everybody hates talking about the weather being a factor, but, I mean, it is something to consider when you're going to go from Waco, Texas, to Syracuse, New York. It's a crazy difference in, in lifestyle. So uh, I don't know if Mayer would be interested. I, don't, I haven't talked to him on the phone. Uh, but maybe he would be uh, a couple <laughs> other names that I'll throw out there that are at the big spot, just because like you say, Munir Hima, I agree with you, Brad is a downgrade from Frank Anselm and Frank Anselm wasn't particularly good. So 
I don't think it would be necessarily a bad option for Syracuse just to have more players to choose from at the big spot and just have more guys to kind of run through the gauntlet and see who's ready and who's not. How about a couple of guys who were Syracuse targets when they were in the recruiting process? A cook, a cook from UConn played two years in the big East now kind of battled a ton of injuries, but finally back on the floor last year for 23 games. Uh, this is a guy who's 6'9", 215, who is pretty good down low. Uh, do I necessarily think he would be way better than Munir Hima? Not necessarily, but just another option that Syracuse was previously interested in. Uh, and then how about Frank Kemp- Kepnong as well uh, from Oregon? I don't know if Quincy Garrier might be in his ear saying, don't go over there, you don't want that. Maybe do but, uh, <laughs> Maybe D.R. Johnson's doing the same thing. But Either of those guys who are both Syracuse targets, they're not setting the world on fire at the big spot, but I think that having more options down low can never hurt for this team. So if they don't end up going for with a wing, it'll be fine because they also have Chris Bunch and they have Justin Taylor to to fill those spots and Benny Williams as well. Both freshmen, though, so if you'd like to get some seniority and some some experience, I get it. I will say this. You you mentioned a cook a cook, and I feel like he makes a good amount of sense. Uh, He's an elite rim protector. And that's yeah. a guy who Syracuse was in on before he committed to UConn. And, and that's a really good program that Danny Hurley's building at UConn. So I think he's been taught well. The only problem is I don't think he's coming. And I didn't think he was he was kind of turned off to the whole play his own thing uh, at first. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I do remember when he committed to UConn, it looked like he was coming to Syracuse. And uh, he goes to UConn. That was disappointing. About a week later, John Bolajak committed, and for the people who didn't really know much about either guy, they just said, oh, well, similar names, similar player, right? And the answer no. is no, not at all. So, <laughs> not at all. John Bolajak is still there, but he's your probably your best. Well, John Bolajak tried to leave, and then he came back. Well, yeah, but he no joke, he's probably your best defensive forward this coming year. All right, we're running out of time, but before we talk, rather leave the subject, I got to mention my guy, and it's funny because I was covering the Syracuse-Pittsburgh game in the zoo last year. I left enamored with Mogi, and I'm talking about Mogi here, but a different Mogi. Same name, very similar players, this one from Washington State, and the interesting thing about him, he hits the portal after one year, his freshman year at Washington State. He's coming from prolific prep. That is the same high school as Frank Anselm, so Syracuse has some seeds already planted over there in that wood in that neck of the woods in California. And I think if you're looking for another version, another crack at a guy like Frank Anselm, then Mo Gee from Washington State might not be the worst way to go. But Bones, let me take this time to tell you about Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Just head to the website today or just use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Bones, we talked a little bit about what was going on with Syracuse basketball in the portal and the shopping cart for Jim Beheim. But let's talk a little bit about Syracuse football here, because I think there is a win quota for Dino Babers to hit. The only question is, 
How many wins does Dino Babers need to secure his job? Because we both agree he's on the hot seat. And before I get into that, Brett, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the quote, take of the day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. For Babers, um, I don't know how many big games he'll be playing this year, but uh, maybe all of them are. Uh, considering that in the last, what, three seasons, he's 11 and – what is that? I can't do math. This is a classic thing. 24? 11 and 24. Uh, so that's bad. It's not good. Um, yeah, because five wins, one win, five wins, and then seven losses, ten losses, seven losses. Um, yeah, 11 and 24 is bad over three seasons. Sure, the Camping World Bowl was cool. Uh, that was a lot of fun to watch in 2018, but – You've gotten to a point now, Dino, where after that year in 2018, everybody was pumped saying, this is our guy, blah, blah, blah. Wild Hack signs him to that six-year deal. There are talks of, is Michigan going to come in and swoop this guy? That was a real conversation that we were having at that point. Was FSU going to try and take him? Yeah. So what a fall from grace for Dino, who was at the top of the world and then the bottom of it, now kind of right back in the middle. Uh, and last season, there was a similar conversation about whether or not he would have to hit the six-win mark in order to stay at the head coach of Syracuse. Um, Wild Hack eventually came out and said there are no plans to terminate Baber's contract or whatever and everything like that. Um, but fans – justifiably we're upset. I mean, if you're not going to win anything in three seasons after giving the fans a taste of glory with a 10 win year, it's kind of a crime. Um, I said it last year. I believed it and I still do. And I'm going to say it again this year. Babers has to make a bowl game, man. He has to. And six wins really wouldn't feel that great, but going to a bowl game and competing after the regular season would, um, so just get a, a hint of success. And, and last year was so crushing too, because it ended so poorly, a five and four record with three games left on the docket. You go five and five, five and six, five and seven, yep. and get crushed in all three games. Well, see, that's, uh, that's my point. Right there, that in Dino Babers' tenure at Syracuse since 2016, he is five and 15 in November. Final man and 15 in November. <sighs> That's when you need to be coaching your best football. That's when your players need to be playing their best football. And I understand that's the most difficult time to be playing your best football because that's when you're the most hurt typically. So I get it, but everyone's banged up at that point in the year and everyone's tired and that's not really an excuse. So it's an explanation, not really an excuse. You're five and 15 in November. I'm not even going to go with six wins. I think if he got six wins, he'd be safe. But I don't even know if he necessarily needs six wins. Well, I don't think he – in terms of, like, realistic, is he going to get fired? I don't think he, I don't think he is. Well, let's say you're John Wildhack. If I'm John Wildhack, the world is a different place right now in Syracuse okay. land. Fair enough. Uh, well, there are a lot I'm of different things is, happening. So you're using six wins as at least a, a bit of a benchmark. I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to split the season in half, okay? And if your record, your being Dino's, is worse in the second half, you're gone. That's it. That's it, right? Because 
the Achilles heel and the tragic flaw of Dino Babers has been limping to the finish line every single year. So let's say they go 0-6 to start the year. They won't. They're playing Wagner in the first half. Let's say they do. And you go 5-1, and one, making it up in the second half. You know what? I can at least see some actual growth there, as crazy as that sounds. So I'm not even going with a win total. Dino Baber just needs to show some growth. Whether they win six games or three, make a bowl game or not, win a bowl game or not, it's not a very good program. They're not going to be competing for a national championship. They're not going to be competing for a spot in the ACC championship game. So at that point, just show me some seeds that might grow. I don't hate that take. Um, I do think that if they played well enough to make a bowl game, but not in your Brad Klein uh, box there well enough, and you would have fired him, I don't know if I like that. But I do like that you want to see growth. Um, And in that theoretical situation, that would never happen because they play UConn and Wagner to begin the year, where they go 0-6 and and then 5-1. You... It would be hard-pressed to try and say that Babers needs to be fired because everybody would be riding the the, the high of the last five games or whatever. So um, I think that you have – there's definitely some merit to that. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I'm saying that, but also Babers is at such a point right now where none of the fan base is behind him. The media don't really believe that he has the believe answers. And I don't believe and without I, evidence. There hasn't been any evidence, and you just got to believe. And I don't, <laughs> I don't think that the players like I. It, I have a very hard time believing that players really believe in him and are like, "This is the guy that is going to turn things around in Syracuse." I have a hard time believing that. I mean, if you're a player and you look at what this team has done for the past three years, a huge flop in 2019 in that five first five and seven season where the team seems so much worse than five and seven. And then the one in 10 year, which was just like, just, I, it's hard. I, I, I blocked it out of my memory. The that was so season. bad. The season. Um, but when you start talking about Dino Babers, right. And you evaluate his job security. I think the easiest way to do it is this because it's hard to move on from a coach. It is, especially a guy like Dino Babers, who let's be honest, is a likable guy. You know, it's, it's not easy to fire a guy like that. He's fun. I enjoy he's him. He's a fun guy, uh, walking soundbite, so he's great for us. But uh, he's a fun guy. Uh, to be honest with you, I would love to play for him. That being said, it's hard when there are no results to back that up in the living rooms. I get it. But if you're just talking face-to-face, cup of coffee, do you want to play for this man? Yeah, I run through a wall for him, to be honest with you. so But let's think about it, Okay. I'm not actually asking us. I'm trying to, to think about you running through a wall right now. <laughs> you see a Brad-shaped implant through bricks. That's what you would see. But I ask you this, all right? Now, we're not actually <laughs> writing anything or comparing him. Just a ballpark estimate, all right? You put him, divvy up Dino Babers two ways, as a recruiter and as a head coach, and put him up against any other Power 5 coach. Is he a... Top half recruiter or bottom half recruiter in the power five? The way bottom half. Bottom half. He might even be like bottom five, right? And we're yeah, not he's to... down there, man. He's down there. Okay. Let's talk about him as a coach, as an actual tactician. Uh, coach manager. Oh, my goodness. Clock management has been Brad. abysmal. So 
That Clemson game lives in my head rent-free. Right. So you need results because there's really – we're running out of reasons to keep them here. Uh, us as just thinkers. Yeah, you're right. I mean, but that's why I'm saying he's got to show some kind of result. Um, five wins won't cut it for me, even if it comes in your your Brad Klein okay. situation. So you're I, just I, bottom lining it for him. Yeah. yeah. At this point, you have to. We're past – the whole like, all right, you know, if you show some growth, we'll keep you around. We did that. We did that, and he didn't. And when Wildhack decided to keep him anyway, so um, I can't really help you there, John. But Dino, I'm giving him the ultimatum: if you do not get six wins, you're out the door. Um, I'm just curious. I'm just curious because sure. you can't with a with a position like this, you can't make a move without knowing generally what your next one will be. So. We're getting ahead of ourselves here, and you don't have to give me a fleshed-out answer, but what would you be looking for in the next head coach? Would you be looking for youth? So, would you be looking no. for NFL experience? I'm what looking for an – I think Syracuse needs an established coach that the fans can get behind and say, all right, this guy has won in the past, and he's coming to Syracuse, and, and his full intention is for Syracuse to be the best team in the nation. That is what this You're team deserves. At- this You're looking program for deserves. an established guy in the collegiate ranks, not necessarily Absolutely. the NFL. Are you looking for a defensive guy, an offensive guy? I don't know about that. I can't go that deep right now. All right, but I will say I, I think that Syracuse, the, the, like the Dino Babers hiring, was that whole like, all right, we're going to get a guy who's up and coming in college football. This is his first Power Five job. Blah 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 blah. It didn't work. All right, just. You can put your tail between your legs. It didn't work. Okay, the guy is not good at his job currently. Maybe he proves me wrong this season, but it didn't work. Um, I think that Syracuse needs an established coach that actually has a chance at bringing it to glory. All right. Uh, anyway, Brad, we got to move on here to our th- – what is this? Our fourth depth chart that we've done together? We've done quarterbacks. We've done wide receivers. We've done offensive line, defensive line. So this is the fifth one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we will be moving on to – right, I'll give you a choice. You want to do linebackers or defensive backs today? we got to tackle the defensive backs here. Dino is a defensive back, so I think it makes some sense. Okay. We'll do DBs. Um, DBs are fun. I, I actually – like, obviously, it's probably – besides Sean Tucker, this DB – group is probably the most exciting on the team um maybe you can make an argument for the linebackers but those are pretty cut and dry so they're kind of boring um you've got a lot of really really talented guys here uh and obviously it starts with deuce chestnut who burst onto the scene last year and was so exciting as a freshman he had that pick in the ohio game to start the year he got burned a couple times sure but he was a freshman um but he's fun to watch, and he's a guy that was a four-star and was a high recruit and that fans loved coming in, and I think it's kind of a crime that Marlo Wax won't let him wear two because he's deuce, but whatever. Um, number zero is cool too, deuce. Yeah, I deuce chestnut's going to be probably, probably your CB2 because Garrett Williams is still there, right? And I, he had – We'll call it a minor setback last year. It wasn't 100% healthy last season, so I don't really want to use 2021 as a true Garrett Williams metric. Uh-oh, i got a text here. <laughs> Brad, you'd think your ring is off. I know, you would think. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to typically look at a guy like Garrett Williams and evaluate him based off of 
his injured season, but he's still there. And I, I hate to do this because I know that he's already motivated enough. That's not the issue. But this is his potential NFL year, Garrett Williams. So you would think yes. that maybe he steps up his game even more. So you think about the sidelines you're covered. And with the 3-3-5 just being all about getting your guys in space and making plays, I mean, you've got some athletes in the secondary here. Jahad Carter, uh, Jason Simmons is still there, and he might be the best athlete on, good. on the team. And he's really good. Now, I will ask this because we're doing depth chart here. First of all, I think that this might be the best, in terms of depth, the best position group on the team. I because agree, 100%. You've got the running backs, Sean Tucker, and basically no one else. And the starting linebackers are really good. But after the starters, what do you have? Fine. But you think about this. Rob Hanna has been a guy who's gotten a lot of run as a safety and he's buried right now behind Jason Simmons in the free safety category. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're going to see Rob Hanna, though. Yes. Um, the, so there's that. But, you know, you also have guys on this all these team. Guys. That's, that's the whole thing with the 3 3 5 is so much running, so much so, so much athleticism needed. you got to keep these guys fresh just in exactly. and out. And out. So I understand Rob Hanna's going to play, and he might be even playing more than Simmons for all we know. Probably will in a way. But there's really no weak link. It's either established guy or up-and-coming guy in this room. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that you you and I are both going to agree that your starting corners are, of course, Garrett Williams and Deuce Chestnut. Uh, and behind him, I think that Neil Nunn is a really good option. I don't know necessarily what they'll do. With Jason Simmons, he kind of played free safety a bunch last year, but I think we saw him a couple times at corner uh, when he needed to fill in for whoever. Because, um, you know, it was also – this is something I anticipated last season after Garrett and Jihad Carter uh, and Neil Nunn all kind of came onto the scene and started, you know, ripping it up. Rob Hanna, too. Amon Greenwood? Be- I, don't, I don't like Amon Greenwood. I'm not, lying. I'm not very high on Amon Greenwood. Okay. Um, he gets burned so many times. That guy, if if a guy gets burned, it's like almost eighty nine percent of the time. I'm on Greenwood. Now I'm always looking for number twenty six on that play. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh well, back in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, when that was the only bright spot of the year was the corners. I think they were helped out a bunch because Trill Williams, Andre Cisco, and Ifatu Melifonu were in front of them, and Garrett Williams didn't really have to go against the top receiver on any team. And then last year he started having to do that and he got burned a bunch. Um, Obviously I think those guys are going to come in and get better just because it's growth. Uh, And like you said, this is the NFL year for Garrett Williams. So he's going to be going, you know, pedal to the metal, trying to be as good as he possibly can. And of course you're always trying to do that, but when the NFL is on the line, you step it up a little bit. Um, But you know, there are so many young guys here. What? He's going to be drafted too. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, that's the reason he came to Syracuse. And you've heard him say that because there is NFL potential here. Same thing with Deuce Chestnut. Those guys are here because they see so many SUDBs in the league. Obviously, Garrett came before that. But still, I mean, there was so much talent when he showed up. Uh, But to your point about the depth here, you have Jason Simmons. You have Justin Barron. You have Eric Coley. There are so many good players that back up all these guys that you're going to have one of the most just have some of the most depth at the DB position in the ACC. Yeah. And the thing is the, 
the depth is rooted in athleticism. Like, I would say that you want to put Sean Tucker in a category of his own, that's fine. I would say that Jason Simmons is the best top-to-bottom athlete on this team. Justin Barron is right there, and those are both guys who are going to get some serious run at the safety position. So, And the crazy thing is that they have other guys like, okay, you don't like Smurf Greenwood, that's fine. Uh, Rob Hand is going to play. And we haven't even talked about Jahad Carter that much and what he's yeah. going to be doing as a starting boundary safety. So I think that he has a lot of potential, especially this might be his year to really blossom. That's a guy who played a lot as a freshman, uh, a first-year freshman, that is, got obviously more playing time as a second-year freshman, and now he's ready to go as a borderline upperclassman. So I think that the the DB room has been good for a long time. Syracuse has been referred to kind of loosely as DBU, but this is going to be that display year where you see, okay, this this unit's really good, and this unit is going to be capable of shutting down almost any wide receiver that they're going to face in the ACC. So in terms of depth chart, let's just go over this because I want to make sure that we uh, we nail this down. Sure. I'm, so I'm looking at Deuce Chestnut, Garrett Williams on either sideline, right? Jahad Carter will be your boundary safety. We haven't talked too much about the uh, rover or the free safety too much outside of Barron and Simmons because uh, you've got – Elijah Clark, Braylon Oliver, too, and those are guys who are transfers that we really haven't seen much of. Yeah. Um, if I had to put my money on it, I'd still say that Justin Barron and Simmons and Jason Simmons are going to get those starts uh, at day one. But you also you don't know. Uh, we don't know what Babers is thinking. We don't really know how he and the rest of the coaching staff saw them in the spring game and in camp. So I guess we'll learn more about that as the season comes hurtling toward us. But if I had to put my money on it, I like Barron and Simmons there in those spots. Yeah, Elijah Clark comes over from Rutgers, and he's a New Jersey guy, and there's a lot to like about what he brings. I'd be surprised if day one, Babers doesn't go with Barron and Simmons. That's what I would do, just based on also, experience. They both had great seasons. Yes, they both played well. And you just want experience, you want solidified guys who know their roles in a borderline unconventional defense. But, hey, Braylon Oliver coming from Louisville, and like I said, Clark from Rutgers, those are both programs that have a lot to like about them. So it's not like you're getting a Duquesne transfer in football, too. I think there's some real promise going forward for the Syracuse 335 as a whole, but especially the defensive backs. We appreciate you making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. Now go ahead and make your second listen, Locked On NBA Big Board. Rafael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and of course, big boards. Follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app and free and available wherever you get your podcast YouTube too. And we appreciate you uh, sticking with us despite the scruff on YouTube here. Parting words, Bones? I got no parting words other than we will see you tomorrow.